And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad even? Your team gonna be sad leaving after matching up with Brad Stevens. Each season, champion contenders. We drop twice a week like you trying to guard Kemba. <laughs> your team whack and your players whacker. I got the inside scoop after hanging up with Jay and Packer. Okay, we about chips here. I'm talking about this year. Banner 12 plus 6 here. Carson was top rookie. I'm seeing it now. Ain't playing around with Tatum and Hay with a brown. We off the charts, but you gotta play it market smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvard Yard. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up to date. You heard? Hey, <laughs> Jay, I see you. Yeah, but. She. Welcome to. The Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter for The Athletic, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen. And today we are coming to you the after the Celtics lose to the Utah Jazz. Uh, I don't like saying that. I realized in playing the Jazz that I have a lot of um, – Negative feelings about the organization, but why the don't Celtics, you like the Jazz? Uh, many reasons. Carl Malone is kind of a bad guy. Um, I don't like their their fans have historically like yelled things at players. SLC Dunk is a terrible SB Nation blog. I mean, there's there's countless reasons. Others one I won't really get into, but I went into last night really jacked up because it was a chance for the Celtics to play the best team in the league, and. They had a very solid first half, and then they completely lost the ability to play defense in the second half. And the, the Jazz are good. I don't really like want to say that, but they they're a solid offensive and defensive basketball squadron. And uh, I think the Celtics. I thought they played a pretty decent game. They just lost to a I think a better team at this point, a more talented team. Yeah, the, the Jazz are rolling. They're cohesive. They play together. Brad Stevens loves them. A lot more than he loves his current Celtics team right now. That was he was hyping them up. He compared them, said it was the closest thing to the 2014 Spurs, and that that's like my favorite team to watch of all time. I was like the most ball moving it team, like known for passing, high assists, just like beautiful, beautiful game. uh, Spurs, like that's wild praise from Brad. I will throw on YouTube sometimes just to watch the Spurs dismantle the heat in some of those finals games because it was some of the best basketball ever played and brad thinks the jazz are like that he definitely does not think the celtics are like that they're nothing like it they are nothing like it they are a disjointed team that has relied on jason tatum and jalen brown to be incredible 
on both ends. And and sometimes they are, and that's still not enough because I think over this five game streak, I get Jalen didn't play in two games, but Tatum has been pretty good. I think the Celtics have done a good job of putting themselves in all of these basketball games against some pretty good teams. Now we see that the Kings are playing like some of their best basketball. So maybe that loss takes on a different light. I think the Suns are a very talented team, strong win against the Clippers. And it just felt like every single time the Celtics were within striking distance, there was jazz open three uh, with Joe Ingles. Uh, And they just really didn't have an answer for Donovan Mitchell, uh, Rudy Gobert pick and rolls and Donovan Mitchell was amazing in the second half, scoring 24 points. Um, and they just really didn't have an answer for him. Also, the Jazz hit some ridiculous threes. And so they were 11. The Jazz do that. They yeah, are the best three-point shooting team in the league. And it showed. But they also knocked down some ones that were just like, I, that's wild. I did not think that was going in. But I guess I should believe in the Jazz now. And the Celtics like scored uh, over 60 points in the second half. Like They they did a pretty good job on the offensive end, I thought. It just uh, – when it came to defense, they could not put stops together. Yeah, and I think when you watch a team like the Jazz, you kind of realize how limited some of the Celtics' supporting cast is. Like, like they've got Joe Ingles, who's a super shooting threat, who's 6'8", who can run a pick and roll, and, like, Celtics don't really have role guys who do any of that stuff they don't have jordan clarkson coming off the bench as a primetime score they don't have like their depth just isn't the same as the top teams and and that's alarming right now obviously tpe tpe biggest trade exception in history packer it could uh, they need it it seems like they need it but but they also they, i mean they also need to get healthy and i mean Marcus smart playing uh, Donovan Mitchell would help, but then you also think that the Celtics were switching every single pick and roll, and the Jazz could ba- basically have whatever matchup they wanted. And Donovan Mitchell got—I mean, he got to the line a bunch uh, in the second half. I mean, it was a crazy number of fouls in the second half. Very slow basketball game we were watching at midnight last night. But like, I don't know where you're going to add a plus defensive guy that's all of a sudden going to be able to slow this team down. I don't know. Kembo Walker, I felt like he was attacked last night. He was, I know, single game plus minus is not the best statistic, but he was a minus 19 in the second half, it felt like, um, and was kind of being attacked on defense. I don't know how this team necessarily improves on the defensive end enough um, going forward when they're playing a top offense like this because there's just easy buckets uh, in this game, especially after Tice fouled out. I mean, the Jazz definitely ran away with it, but – I thought the Celtics did a decent job, but the defense just wasn't there consistently, even with Tice in the game. And we're going to talk about Daniel Tice because, man, my God, Danny Three Points is uh, playing amazing right now. Oh, it's Danny Three Points now. He earned the nickname. I mean, shooting like that. He's been shooting like that for the what whole about, season. What about Grant Three Points? That doesn't really have a, a good ring to it. but uh, Willie Three Points? That, that has some legs, perhaps. But I think that's another thing from – the five game swing is it felt like the Celtics role players. We talk about them not having like uh dynamic players or not having as good depth, but it feels like over these five games, a number of the role players kind of stepped up and made shots. Grant Williams, uh, Daniel Tice. I thought Peyton Pritchard in the Suns game 
Like there's a lot of role players stepping up and like playing well that kept the Celtics in this game or in those five games. It just um, sometimes they were just like the the worst team. And I really felt like they had problems stopping the Kings uh, late uh, in the game, problems stopping the Suns. It, it really all feels like it starts on the defensive end. And it's very hard to win games when Kemba Walker is going four for 20 or one for 12 or two for whatever he was like he he cannot be that inefficient for the Celtics to reach their potential or come close to reaching their potential they need they need a lot more out of him and right now like everyone thought Kemba coming back would kind of catapult the Celtics to playing much better basketball when in reality and it's not all his fault. Jason Tatum has missed time. Jalen Brown has missed time. Marcus Smart has missed time. But him coming back is kind of, especially because he has been poor, it has kind of dragged them down a little bit. And and I don't know what he'll end up being like this year. I don't know how long these struggles will last. But it's concerning and it gets more concerning with every game that he plays like that. He if you got, the, had the, to... the drive he had against Donovan Mitchell where he cr- got no separation and Mitchell just swallowed him up and just blocked him so easily. That was like, yikes, yikes. And, and maybe it's just some mental stuff. Maybe he's still figuring out like how to play with his knee Obviously, it was hindering him during the playoffs. They aren't what we thought they were. If thank you, he's thank that you, Danny, version of Danny Green. Walker. Yeah, like, I so him driving to the lane is the thing that makes me most concerned because it feels like he just doesn't have any points in the restricted area. Uh, I just don't see him finishing over anyone. He's a smaller guy. He's not getting by anyone, and it's something Kemba Walker used to be able to do just with quickness and uh, alone. And so that makes me think he doesn't have the necessary burst. I also can buy the argument that there's a mental component where it's just adjusting to um, becoming more of a playmaker and not necessarily getting in rhythm and things like that. But the lack of finishing uh, is just like the he's just not a threat on the rim at all. And that is feels so necessary, especially for smaller point guards, because you're going to need you basically just need to be defended in, in a manner that uh, gives you more space to operate. He's just going to get more like if people are not uh, really scared at all to let him go by them and attack the rim, it just completely changes how they defend Kemba Walker. And he needs to figure out uh, what to do with that. If that's no, no longer the case, but he's gotten rejected at the rim. It feels like a number of times, especially over uh, the last five games. Yeah. And I feel like even when he's healthy, he kind of gets blocked more than the average player because he is fearless going in, into the hoop and he does try to get by guys. And But at the same time, like, it's it's it, his minutes have been alarming the last few games. That's, that's for sure. He had the, a really good game against L.A. They don't beat the Clippers without Kemba Walker playing like he did against L.A. But other than that game... It's been it's been rough rough going for Kemba, so sheesh sheesh 
Sheesh. That's what I, I would have to I would have to concur. I think that's like the biggest issue. I thought this was like like let's remove the Kemba Walker discussion. Other than that, I feel like process over results. We're gonna go ultimate Kaizen here. I thought it was a pretty decent road trip from the Celtics in terms of they were in every single game and like players stepped up and made plays that were not named Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. They did lose three games. They did go two of three, but I thought they just played pretty decent basketball, were better uh, generally on defense. I don't think they ever turned in a 48-minute performance, but I thought they had better stretches where it just looked like they had more cohesion. And so, you know me, Mr. Positivity, uh, even though the Jazz won, and I can't stand that organization, uh, I still think it was like a decent uh, road trip. It wasn't a, a colossal failure for the Celtics. Yeah, and I thought there were stretches of the Utah game before things went to hell in the third quarter and again late in the fourth quarter i guess that's a lot of going to hell but for it got worse it, they went deeper and deeper into hell as the game proceeded in the second half for the majority of the first half i thought that was some of the best defense they've played all season and they were doing a lot of switching they had robert williams even switching out of point guards they had shemi ojale took a charge on rudy gobert like they were they were grinding it out and they were playing tough, and they were kind of disrupting Utah's offense, which is has been one of the better offenses in the league this year and shoots a ton of threes and has a lot of guys who can drive the ball and make plays. They, I felt like that was as good a stretch, not maybe not as good a stretch, but one of the better stretches they've had with that defense, except for all the offensive rebounds. But that's well, like Rudy Gobert's huge. I mean, he's a villain. I don't like him. I frequently slander him on the internet. Uh, another reason why I don't really like him. I don't like the screen assist thing. Uh, I don't like the his being such a baby when he didn't make the All Star team. Um, wow, I just really like, kind of launched into Gobert thing there. But I'm gonna. That was just so I could praise him. He's really good and a large man, and is a, such an impact on both the defensive end and just offensive rebounding alone. Like I like they gave up some offensive rebounds to the Jazz. The Jazz are huge, and like that's going to happen, especially when you play a, a smaller team. And like the Celtics have small bigs, which is just a problem because, especially when you're going up against uh, size. Yeah, yeah, the Celtics—they're a small team. They play a lot of small guards. Although Jeff Teague was taken out of the rotation in the second half, not a lot of Jeff Teague in that game. Which, he could have been the difference, folks. I mean, we don't know. We'll never know because we only got two minutes of Teague in the second half. But he could have been a lockdown defender on Donovan Mitchell in that game. We could have, it could have happened. <laughs> I think that definitely would have been the likely scenario had Jeff Teague played more, that he would have shut down Donovan Mitchell for sure. All right, um, let's let's get to listener questions. We asked some of the folks out there uh, – to tell us yeah, what to I talk about. I didn't even about. get to finish my Jeff Teague rant. Did you have a Jeff Teague point? I thought you were really kind of slowing down there. I did, but then you just swooped in and stole it from me. But floor, uh, floor is open to a Jeff Teague no, rant. No, no, the, My thunder has been stolen. It's just kind of petty of you to make up that you had a Jeff Teague rant. Um, but we'll get to the questions. This is from our main man, Eddie FB at Truth Faustino. Hello, JM, longtime listener. Should people relax and understand there is a lot the team needs to get fixed over time, like health and rotations and rest? Uh, yes, I would agree. Uh, and should they be 
more patient with this weird season and with the use of the TPE. And I guess that's the, the he's just catering to the sports positivity in me in that I thought given that they had a pretty good game, given that they had that good stretch on Utah, given that they haven't been healthy, all of those things, I don't think it's like time to panic. We have saw things on NBC Sports Boston. It was like how much – I think it was mostly panicking about Kemba, but I don't think the season is in peril. I do think they could use some – use the TPE on someone, but I don't know. They're four of their last – they won four of their last 12. They're four and eight in their last 12. That's not a great number, but I don't think it's the biggest issue in the world. I think the Celtics are still obviously a playoff team, and uh, they have a lot of time to figure things out. Yeah, and and we knew this team wouldn't be great when not fully healthy. We knew this team wasn't built to thrive while key players were out, and key players have been out basically the entire season. And and so that's mattered. Like Jalen Brown missed some of the losses. Jason Tatum missed some of the losses. Marcus Smart missed some of the losses. So there's been a lot of tests for their depth. And and when Kemba Walker isn't playing well, that just kind of heightens that whole the whole impact of the injuries and absences. But that that said, it hasn't been pretty. It has not been pretty. The Celtics, they're struggling. They are struggling, and that that was going to be a, a tough five game road trip anyway. Like, no matter what, playing Utah in Utah at the end of a five game road trip in altitude, while the Jazz are the hottest team in the NBA, it was always going to be very tough. That's just a tough five game road trip. Of you play, you have to guard Steph. Then you have to play the Kings, who apparently, and De'Aaron Fox, who's Western Conference Player of the Week, yeah, on fire. Amazing. You play the Clippers, who are one of the three best teams in the league. The Suns, with Chris Paul, are potent offense. And then you play, literally, the team with the best record. It's a tough trip. I don't know. I, I feel like they're going to be able to figure it out. But the thing that, I guess, is concerning is, okay, everything can come together. We like Yeah, the team needs to be healthy. They need one of their top four guys. But... We saw injuries can happen in the playoffs, too. If they lose one guy in the playoffs, it feels like they have no chance of making the second round. The second round? I mean, if they lose... Well, it also depends on seeding at this point. It's kind of confusing, and it's hard to project what the... uh, The Bucks and the Sixers have certainly put themselves at the top, but it seems like everyone else in that next tier below them... So if if they played the Pacers... You think they'd have no chance of beating the Pacers without like Marcus Smart? I don't think they'd have no chance. I guess making it winning a second round series. I think it'd be a much. I think that Sixers. Of course, moving the goals. I'm talking about random hypotheticals in the future. I just think that clearly for them to be anything, they need all of their guys healthy, and that's concerning because health is just not something that's guaranteed. And like, what happens if Kemba? has more knee stuff and uh, like is never fully ramped back up to full health. It just, it feels like they're going, like they're relying a lot on their, uh, their top four guys. And I think it's just more incentive for them to go out, use that TPE and try to get someone who could step in as a starter. Like, I mean, that's ideally who you're targeting is someone who would be a bench player in normal times, but could step in in a starter. and You don't lose that much production. Yeah. Yeah. TPE. That's that's a big big thing. That TPE, 
Gonna need a savior with that TPE. We shall see. We got a couple questions, one from Kate for three and one from Kevin H, both talking about the Time Lord. Kate asks why they're not using Rob for more vertical spacing, especially after Tice fell out. And then Kevin asks, what are thoughts on Rob being able to under, unable to get a larger share of the front court minutes? Jay, do you think they're using the Time Lord effectively? Because it feels like he's had some solid moments, uh, especially on the offensive end of the court. Yeah, I I think Robert Williams has played well. And I think he's had a lot of good moments. I also... Tristan Thompson has had his best five games as a Celtics, or best four games before the Jazz. Like, it's it's hard to get playing time. It is hard to get playing time. And I think like he had some good moments against the Jazz, but there were also several times Rudy Gobert was left wide open under the hoop while Robert Williams was on the court. So, I don't know. The whole Tristan Thompson, Daniel Tice, Robert Williams thing is probably going to be frustrating for some people because no matter who loses minutes, it's going to be a pretty good player losing minutes. Um, And, like, the upside of Robert Williams, when he plays well, he's really freaking good. And Tristan Thompson has been better lately. I just think... Like the Celtics would, it would be much better for the Celtics if they could turn one of those centers magically into like a 6 8 3 and D guy. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Can they, though? That's something. That's another question we got about uh, possibly trading one of the centers with the TPE. Beantown Celts asked about uh, possibly moving Tice uh, because they think that his value would be higher. Not Stretch Tice. I mean, not uh, Danny Three Points. I think he's the best center you have on the roster right now. He's like his ability to shoot threes is one of the only reasons that the kind of the two big lineup can survive. I don't think this team is long term good playing to the two big lineup frequently, which means you're probably only going to have two centers like you just want guys to come in and play the five and you don't want to necessarily force Daniel Tice uh, to power forward. I think it's all that would also help out Kemba, just giving him more spacing. And I think Tice's ability to knock down threes, which he's clearly doing better than he ever has, but it's a hot slice of Tice served daily. It's he's clearly not. I I can't trade Daniel Tice from this team. He's the most valuable big they have. Hot slice of Tice served daily. (laughs) Just just embarrassing. Um, Yeah, I, I think the one, not the one benefit, but one of the benefits of playing the two bigs is I think it forced Daniel Tice 
to shoot more threes. And he was very reluctant last season to shoot threes. This season, he's shooting a full extra three-pointer per 36 minutes. He's letting it rip. He's, he's letting it fly. He's got a quicker release. Like When you think back to the Philadelphia series, remember how many times he caught it wide open and either and then in Toronto and series or just like waited and waited and waited and passed it off. He's letting that thing fly now. And, and so I do think that's one benefit of the two big lineup is that the coaching staff must have told him, look, when you're center, we can get away with you kind of having those moments where you're open and don't let it fly. But when you're power forward, we need spacing out of you. And, and I think that he's obviously comfortable there and, and the number of threes that he's taking, even though it's not a ton more than he shot last year, I think it, it's noticeably more and a sign of just how confident he is right now from behind the arc. So Danny, Danny three points. Daniel thrice. They call him. I think they like, he makes the most sense in uh, Brad Stevens offense. It feels like Brad Stevens likes to play five out or when he does have bigs in the game, they're not like they don't really start a lot of possessions with the big ahead, uh, like starting in the dunker spot or underneath the basket. A lot of their actions are uh, the center at the free throw line uh, extended kind of at the top, either setting screens or doing dribble handoffs. And it feels like Tice's ability to space the floor with that allows uh, for more of what I think the kind of offense Brad Stevens is trying to play. Tristan Thompson right now, he doesn't give you much in the half-court offense. He's been doing a very good job of offensive rebounding, and it feels like there's the occasional possession where he's done better on the low block. Time Lord at least gives you that vertical spacing and allows you to a- a- attack more and throw those alley-oops. I don't know who is more valuable to the Celtics at this point or who's more valuable as a trade uh, asset because – Tristan Thompson is clearly the established name, I think. Uh, but Time Lord's the prospect, and like teams might be want to have Time Lord more because just he has more upside. And I don't even really know if the Celtics are prepared to trade either of them, but it would make sense to me uh, for one of those guys to be possibly included in a deal just in terms of rock, roster construction. Do you know who's leading the league in two-point field goal percentage right now? You're going to tell me it's Tristan Thompson. No, it's two-point Tice. Two-point Tice. He's a he's a, a lord from all over the floor. Two point Tice, sixty seven point four percent from two point field goal range. That's what you can't trade. That I mean, he is your starting center. He is the best center they have on the team. It's very good defender. Uh, the war continues on him, but uh, he's he's awesome. That's why you just you can't. I don't think you include him in any deal just because then you're starting offense. You're automatically having a non shooter on the floor. I enjoyed when they reviewed his pretty harmless foul for a possible flagrant. And I thought from his reaction that they had definitely called a flagrant on him, but they hadn't. I think he was just convinced they were going to call a flagrant on him because that's just how it goes with him and referees. There's a lot of psychological trauma that comes with fighting a war. And I just imagine that he's gone going through it nightly and still dropping threes. And so, I just, there's no and, way. And twos. 
and twos. You, I keep on uh, focusing on the three, but you know, it's I blame Steph Curry just popularizing the shot. But we got to focus on those two point shots because they're important. I don't know what happens with the TP at this point, uh, but I wouldn't be. Sh- would you be shocked to have Time Lord or uh, Thompson included in a possible deal? It would make sense to me, but I also think that the Celtics they want to see what Romeo Langford can give them. And I think they're interested to see what Romeo can give them. I think they're interested to see what this team looks like when fully healthy. And I think that if you look at it, like they get fully healthy, Marcus smarts back in the starting lineup. Kemba Walker stops playing like total dog food um and then you have Peyton Pritchard, Romeo Langford if if he is okay, Robert Williams, Tristan Thompson and Grant Williams off the bench like that's not a horrible rotation. No, and but it still feels like you can improve it. Like yeah. Brad basically came out and said the we play the double big lineup because they are our best players. We want to maximize the talent on the floor. And so just in terms of roster construction, you would want your best players to be able to play more positions and kind of be more flexible um, and uh, versatile on defense. And so I don't know. It just feels like the the trade deadline is at the, towards the end of March. You have this stretch of games. Um, you don't have that much time left to figure out like what happens if another injury, you can't just like, Oh, we have no idea when Romeo's coming back. Despite me announcing on last podcast, mistakenly after I was duped by a, a fake a Twitter account. Tweet. A rogue tweet. I was duped into saying Romeo was questionable. He is he is not questionable. We just don't know when he's coming back. It's tough to be like, well, we got to wait for Romeo and wait for health because neither of those things are guaranteed at this point. Yeah, and and the Celtics, they have to gauge the market. There are some guys who would make sense with the trade traded player exception who like Harrison Barnes, let's say. The Kings are playing great basketball right now. Probably don't want to trade Harrison Barnes. But what if over the next month and a half, they stink? Yeah, that so could also happen. The, the trade market could change a little bit. Um, but I do think that they, they need another piece. They need another piece, pre- preferably a piece with size. Who can a, shoot? Like a, a, a three, four, who can shoot? And also can play defense. I would just call him a... Three and D guy. I think it's a phrase that we could use moving forward to describe them. Mook Morris with size. Ooh, can Mook still uh, play defense? And why are the Clippers wouldn't they wouldn't trade him? I know. I was just just you're just hoping because you want Mook back in your life. Moving on to another question. This was interesting from Ben Schwartz. Why does Grant have a decent three point stroke but only shoots fifty two percent from the line? That's because Grant's three-point stroke is kind of weird. He's throwing a knuckleball up there. Grant is swishing everything. And he's That's not. A- he's shooting 52% from the free-throw line. Three-point Willie. <laughs> three-point Willie, not free-throw Willie. Three-point Willie. Do you, do you think have an he, answer? I think he, he's – he hasn't shot many free-throws. It's not like he's going to the line all the time. He missed some big ones. I forget what game that was in. Oh, and then he had the perfect missed free throw. Yeah, it, it infuriated Stuhl Greeny. Stuhl I mean, Greeny was heated. That guy really hates free throws, something that 
uh, I don't personally. I mean, I get it. Missing free throws is bad. 20, 27 free throws this season. Uh, obviously, it's not great to only hit 14 of those, but over the long term, he was 70-something percent last year. I think he was a pretty good college uh, free throw shooter, if I remember correctly. So I don't think his free throws are concerning, and I think that was part of the reason why people were, yeah, 75.8% career free throw shooter in college. So, and he shot 82% as a junior. So he can shoot. It's just small sample size. I, yeah. I agree. I have faith in Grant. Um, Either that or he's, he's Nick Anderson and will never be able to shoot free throws again. Time shall tell. Chuck All right, Knobloch. we have we have two more questions. Chuck Knobloch, man, that guy got the yips worse than anyone. Rick and Keel got him pretty bad too. Well, he came back. He conquered the yips. He I don't think himself as a center fielder. Wild, wild stuff. Right fielder, outfielder. No, yeah, I think he was a center fielder. Uh, we have two more questions. One about the past, and one about the future. You choose our destiny, Jay. Uh, let's go with the f- past. All right, this question's from Pierre BLGR. Uh, he is tr- actually tracks our predictions uh, from the uh, preseason podcast we did with Corrales. But he doesn't have the results, so I'll ask him to tweet us the results. But his question is, who uh, from Celtics history, which one player in their prime could actually help this Celtics team? I'm going to get an answer in before you can. Going to go with Larry Bird. I think he could be extremely helpful to this basketball team. I'm going to take that that question a little differently. And I'm going to pick someone who, if he were on a different team today, would be a possible trade exception candidate. Okay, go on. And I'm not sure who I'm picking yet. <laughs> we just came up with the idea. So it's someone who's would be potentially tradable midseason if he was on a bad team, but still yeah, a solid like, like player. Someone who wouldn't be like a superstar. Like Okay, so it's not someone in their prime. You got to choose someone over the hill. Like what over the hill Celtics legend would help this team the most? James what if Posey? Cedric Maxwell? Ooh, cornbread. Well, I, I kind of like the Cedric Maxwell edition. I feel like honestly, oh, you want someone who can shoot. Like, can Max shoot? What? What's? What, how many threes did Max hit? He was a Finals MVP who could play for and get buckets. It's a different league. I'm going. I'm going only modern players. Just give me Jonas Jerebko. Give me prime Jonas Jerebko in this. Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder is actually a very good answer. He's like the exact player that you would want. He can play for, knock down threes, solid defensively. Yeah. I think that's a good answer uh, if we're Got trying to figure out the best TPE person. Who else would be Kelly Olynyk with his positional defense? I, I would like the Kelly Olynyk edition. Um, the Crowder is kind of Tony the, Allen the type of player. Tony Allen, that I mean, he would he would definitely help. He and Marcus Smart would be electric together. That would be. The backcourt defense duo of all backcourt. What about defense. Al Horford? He he could actually be a person this year. He's playing uh, his ass off down there in Oklahoma. If they didn't have the money, I'm just trying to think. Anyone in the in the Paul like the Doc or Jim O'Brien era? Like, how would Wally Zerbiak really impact? Eric Williams would be better at 55 than Jeff Teague. Let me tell you that much. Eric Williams, I I, I would I would like the Eric Williams addition. Little, I, I would little like Kenny kid. Anderson to come back just because I like Kenny Anderson on Twitter. Chibs? Yeah, Chibs, my guy. Uh, 
who else would kind of make sense? Um, Antoine Walker would be the perfect stretch four right now. Would he? Yeah, man. He'd be launching. Just, oh, man, I'd love to see Antoine. I, I would love to see the shimmy back in action. <laughs> Antoine, he was one of my favorite players as a kid. I used to do the shimmy in like fourth grade games because Antoine did it. How could you not? I mean, it's one of the better celebrations there is. And he's just launching threes. He was before his time. Antoine would have made so much more money than potentially lose it, but he would have made, been so much more valuable in the three-point era. Because you know, I don't know I if there's like, any better I answers. Like, I feel like there's got to be someone who I just haven't given the proper respect. It could be. If Jay has uh, disrespected – I don't know. Jeff Van Gundy was really ripping on Danny Ainge's defense uh, the other night on the broadcast. I don't, I don't know if they can really add a minus defender. I don't know. I honestly just don't know if Danny Ainge was good at defense. I know he was annoying, and that's like kind of a part of being a good defender, but I don't know if he is uh, nearly athletic enough to do that. But if Jay has disrespected someone, if we have disrespected someone, tweet us the answer who the, the person should be Michael at Jam Packard. Michael Petrus, that's a good pick. Or you can tweet at Jay King if you agree well, with Petrus. He was his prime when he got to the Celtics. Well, I mean, it's a it's a hypothetical there where we made up the rules uh, halfway through the question. I still think Larry Bird's probably the best and most helpful player. Carlos Arroyo. I don't. I'm going to be honest. I don't remember his uh, Celtics his time with the Celtics. I I barely remember it. It was <laughs> not. It was not very memorable. All right, we're going to travel now into the future with our final final listener question. This is from Ben Anderson. Where do you see this team three years from now? Beyond the Jays, who else do you uh, anticipate still being on the roster? Uh, Smart. I feel like you, you're still going to have Smart on the team. Smart, yeah. Peyton, Peyton Pritchard, Neesmith. Three years from now is kind of interesting because it's like you. I would imagine they'd give Grant rookie extension, or set, do you think they give Grant and Time Lord second contracts? I don't know what I don't know what their market's going to be. Depends what uh, what trades they go after. You know, I don't think you can guarantee anything other than the two Jays and Peyton Pritchard and Aaron Neesmith, just because they'll still be on their rookie deals, and you can't even guarantee those because they could be dealt, but. Beyond that, I have no idea what happened. Like rosters changed so much in the NBA in three years that it's really hard to predict how else they're going to try to build around Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. So, like, what pieces fit the best uh, with those two guys? Yeah, I think it's that's almost impossible to predict. All I know is that they have their two franchise cornerstones now, and those are Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And the goal of this next couple years, few years, foreseeable future should be getting the right pieces around them to maximize those guys and try to win with those guys. I agree. I agree. Try to win with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. That what, a, what an innovative strategy that was. And do it for Old the next analysis. Do it for the next three years. That's why the folks listen into us. And uh, the reason we have uh, such good takes like that and such good analysis is because we're sipping on the Santilli IPA from our friends at uh, Night Shift Brewing over in Everett. Santilli is delicious. I uh, had a couple last night watching the Jazz game, having a couple right now. It's just a fantastic IPA 
made by our friends at Night Shift over in Everett. So support your local breweries. They have delivery. They actually have a cool coffee shop down by the garden where they also have a, a tasting room. And so support us by supporting Santilli and Night Shift. You can get Santilli all over Massachusetts. And I'm reading the copy now that it comes in four packs and 12 packs, which is humorous because it uh, is the sponsor for the potable six pack. And so maybe we can get them to offer a special potable six pack version of Santilli. But if you want Night Shift beer, I, like, I need my face on a beer can. I would drink uh, a beer with your face on. I would think that would be refreshing. You'd probably be the only person in the world. Oh I think you'd, you'd be surprised. But if you want to find where Night Shift is fa- uh, sold, you can go to nsbeer.co slash beerfinder, um, and you'll kind of figure out what stores sell Night Shift. They also do delivery if you're in the Boston area. So go to nightshift.com, uh, I believe, if you want to get Santilli shipped to you. We're going to do – Fantastic. It is, it is quite good, and it's um, – it's fueling this potable six pack. Jay, I guess we'll do it from the jazz game because Josh Gondelman and I did it for the, the pr- past two games. So let's do a potable six pack uh, from last night's game against the Utah Jazz. Do you have one or um, I can go first if you need more time? I'll give, I'll seed the first pick. All right. The first thing that jumps out to me about last night's game was the goddamn slippery floor. What's going on in that stadium? It's ridiculous. The uh, Celtics were slipping left and right. Jason Tatum's on the floor. Jalen Brown's on the floor. You think with a Salt Lake City, they could get their slipping issues uh, handled. It's just ridiculous. And I, it's Utah is a, a terrible city. Utah is not even a city at all. It's a state. Um, I probably shouldn't disparage it, but I did go to a jazz game uh, one time in my life, and I did not enjoy Salt Lake City, and the slippery floor just is ridiculous. The my first pick, Jaylen, <laughs> no comments on uh, Salt Lake City. Jalen Brown casually slipping an f bomb into his answer, and then NBC Sports Boston airing it. Ooh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I heard it on TV. What did he say? He said, I'll quote, we fucking should take it personally. The fourth quarter was embarrassing. And I'm I'm always a swear guy. Marcus Morris used to drop all sorts of cuss words into his answers. And it just it always it just adds some spice to it, you know, a little flair to the the quote. You get the same quotes all the time, but when you fucking throw a little little F bomb in there, when you when you start talking about and that shit, like, I need it. I need it. And it's more genuine. It makes them feel like yeah, the answer is authentic. Yeah, this team hasn't had enough of that, and they're they're very. I don't want to say soft spoken because they're not a soft spoken bunch, but they're buttoned down in what they say to the press a lot. And I feel like maybe they need to get pissed off. Then again, it it didn't work the last time a couple years ago when they got pissed off. So they they can't get pissed off. You can't get too high, can't get too low. You just need to continuously improve uh, and try your best, and eventually um, you'll get better. I think that's a very good first uh, first pick for the six pack. You got. I like that it was aired on NBC Sports Boston because I don't think they take the Zoom calls live, Um, and so someone really messed up and not catching that. And I saw, he I used did it to be- so casually. I, like, I feel like normally when you say an F bomb, you kind of 
put a little juice on it you know like you you say it with an edge and he just kind of just very casually dropped it in there I, I appreciated it um i've been a radio producer where like my job was to it was usually after patriots games all of the press uh conferences were recorded and i'd have to clip them so they'd be ready for air and i remember i missed a swear one time and it went out over the air and uh andy the old producer of the big show was pissed at me and uh Whoever let that slide probably feels bad. I let a lot of swears slide when I was a producer at WEI. I wonder why I didn't really uh, last there, but it's a it's a fun experience when you let one go over the uh, over the airways. My second pick. What am I gonna go with? I'll go with Tice's threes. Downtown thrice. I didn't really have another pick, and Tice hit a lot of threes, so. Uh, well, that's that good. That's a good. That's a uh, great pick. Daniel Thrice, Danny Three Blocks. Um, everyone's talking about it. Uh, you realize you do have another pick coming after I pick these two, so you'll have some time to I'm, pick it. I'm thinking the wheels right. are turning. So for my two final picks, they're both going to be Grant Williams related. I think that block he had. Uh, who was that on? Uh, where he went straight up. Was it Bogdanovich? Someone was trying to yam on uh, Grant Williams, and he had an absolutely outstanding block late in the game where normally you'd see him bring his hands down and foul, but it was just top-notch Grant Williams defense. Uh, I thought he had a really solid game, but that was quite impressive from Grant. Yeah, that was a fantastic, fantastic defensive play. My second Grant-related potable six-pack pick is... Oh, smoking bunnies. It's not going to be smoking bunnies. I'm actually... it's. Uh, he did smoke some bunnies. He ruined a perfect Time Lord pass. Like it was a Dime Lord making quick decisions in the offensive end. It was like the perfect uh, Robert Williams pass, and he just completely missed it. Clearly scared of Rudy Gobert. He left it short. But I'm going to give Grant credit because I just thought it was funny. They did like the photo shoot of uh, the guys, uh, Celtics, getting onto the team plane, and he had just settlers of Catan uh, tucked under his uh, bag just carrying it. He's just a true nerd. And you got to appreciate that. Uh, I'm sure he was playing with. He's played in the past with uh, Pritchard and Neesmith. And so I think like those are the only people who will play with him because they're like more of his generation and he has some pull. I've never played, so I'm not a nerd either. Oh, no one has ever accused you of being a nerd, Jay. Goddamn right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. If you don't have, uh, do you have a final potable six pack? Smoking bunny. Grant smoking the bunny. That air ball was fantastic. It was special. It was everything I've ever wanted. It was so. (laughs) (laughs) It was like a four foot shot that went one and a half feet. It was not great, but. I guess that that's what happens. The, I mean, a lot of Grant talk in the potable six pack, but yeah, no, they did. The Celtics uh, continue their uh, habit of smoking bunnies. Uh, last year was Gordon Hayward. Someone else will take the throne. I guess I feel like it's been Jeff Teague so far, but uh, no Teague uh, really in this game. So Grant stepped up, smoked the bunnies for uh, for us all. He it was a, it was a majestic smoked bunny. Any other uh, notes? Things you want to point out from the Utah game? Uh, it's it's weird when places have fans. Just strange. I don't like it. It was weird to see like Donovan Mitchell like make a big shot and then like 
play to the fans and like get them hyped up. Yeah, it's bizarre. Uh, I guess it's happening though. And so, I wonder if that plays into the Jazz's great record. Do they have like a, a pretty good home record? I would imagine so. They've won 16 of their last 17 games. I would imagine a number of those came in their home environment. Uh, I think it's mostly because they have uh, three very solid players. They can play around Gobert and uh, Donovan and Mitchell at all times. Maybe, oh, maybe it's this. three on the road. <laughs> so they have one more loss. It could be that sweet Utah home court advantage. I mean, we all know that the great things I have to say about the city of Salt Lake. And so it could be a factor. Who knows? The good thing for the Celtics is they don't have to go back to Utah. They'll probably have another West Coast trip at some point in this year, but we don't even know the schedule for the second half of the season, but they will have to play the Lakers. When that happens, when they play five games over the next seven days, we will be here to break it all down. We take your listener questions. Uh, we give you brilliant takes, uh, and they're generated from drinking the great Santilli Night Shift beer. Uh, if you like our show, please give us five stars, rate it, give it positive reviews, and thank you for listening to this episode of as you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.